BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, I mean it's it's special. It's really special. And I have, you know, a lot of friendships. I know a lot of people here, obviously like you said from you know, playing at Pitt and being here for five years. So um, the fact that I'm starting my pro career here is uh, you know really special and I'm looking forward to you know building new relationships with everybody in the city. Kenny Pickett, new quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Great story in football morning in America, how he envisioned for five years as he walked into the pit door at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. He saw the Steeler door five years, envisioned that he'd be heading 12 feet, literally 12 feet to the left, Amazing. and now he is. It's just great how it works out, it and it's – because it's not easy to make it work out that way because it's a draft. And if anybody else picking the 19 spots in front of the Steelers would have wanted Kenny Pickett or if someone would have jumped in front of the Steelers, and it's not like it was a secret, it's not like it was a surprise, I kind of respect the fact that the Steelers don't – They don't, I don't really I don't hide know. behind I, it. I know. I, they they like, don't care. Yeah. They just don't care. Like, we're not going to try to play these games because if somebody else takes him, we'll take somebody else. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll just take somebody else. Yeah. They got and, belief in their uh, team and their culture that it just, it'll work either way. Right. Let's hear a little bit from Kevin Colbert about what drew them to Kenny Pickett because he said some more things. I don't know if it's going to be part of it or not, so I'll, I'll hold that until we hear directly from Colbert on specifically why they decided Pickett was their guy. You know, ultimately, I mean, and I've said this, this was a this was a better class and I think people um, maybe anticipate. And the way it played out, some of those guys got drafted a little later than we expected for sure. But I, I think it was a really good class. And, and again, we went through the process and put each one of these guys through the same exact steps. Again, not trying to take Kenny for granted because he's a next-door neighbor and maybe we know him better, but we did the same thing with him. But you just came away with a comfort level very early on that he's the most prepared 
uh, coming out. And, you know, he's coming from a pro system and we've watched him grow from a, you know, a sophomore into a, that senior year where he helped them help Pitt win, a, win the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, so you saw that up close and personal. And in doing that, we never anticipated that he would have been available to us. But obviously, when we picked Kenny, we valued him above the others. And again, that's not to take anything away from those young men, because we really came away impressed with that group, not only physically, but their their maturity level, their families. Um, the interaction we had with that group was pretty special. The hand size narrative for Kenny Pickett has been a thing, and rightfully so. It's an objective measurement, and his hands are smaller than other quarterbacks' hands. What would you say to put the minds at ease of fans who are thinking, oh, when it gets cold and windy and wet, he's going to be fumbling the football over and over again at Heinz Field? Yeah, you know, honestly, I never paid attention to that. I, I, I talked about, um, I forget which game, I believe it was the Clemson game. You know, other other personnel people were attending, and some asked me about it, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe that, maybe that's something, but I never paid attention to it. And, you know, we'd look at the results. Um, we watched Kenny play in our environment. Um, you know, albeit Pitt, Pitt didn't play games as late into a year as, as he'll have to do here, but it is, it is Pittsburgh. It's hot and humid in the summer, and it's cold and rainy and snowy or whatever in the winter. But we're confident uh, that Kenny can do that. And I think the proof is just in the pudding. Can he throw the football? Absolutely. Did he have an excessive fumble rate? No, he didn't. Uh, so there's things that, again, we just judge it on how he played. And we, we get all the information and we'll, we'll factor it in and in the discussion point. But ultimately, it comes down to how the young man plays. And, you know, those bad weather games in Pittsburgh, if you're playing for the NFL team, they dip into the bad weather months a lot more deeply than the pit games. Pitt's done by Thanksgiving. Yeah, right. Playing there. Steelers, if you host playoff games, yeah, you're playing a regular the calendar season goes game now, in you're January. up to the end of January. Right. You're playing up until the end of January if you're hosting playoff games. You're right. definitely past the start of January at Heinz Field. I, it's right there where the rivers come together and the wind blows. I was at a West Virginia pit game there. Yeah. 2002. And I mean, it was sleet sideways. We had to like turn our heads down and peek out the top of the hats to, it was miserable. So, uh, and the hand size, it, look, it's not, it's not like the stuff we were talking about with Thibodeau. It's real. Yeah. Hand is a certain size. It's objectively that size. And is it going to be a factor for this guy's an NFL player. And the way Colbert tells it, he just doesn't care. He looks yeah. at the guy's body of work, and it's good enough for him. Yeah, no, it, it is real. It is real. Hand size is a real thing, you know. And, and I've heard even, like, people have been like, well, Brady's hands weren't gigantic at the combine or whatever. Brady's hands are gigantic. That's the other thing. They got to they gotta change the ways they measure it because they measure it from the, the pinky to the thumb all the way over here, right? But, like, some of these quarterbacks, they need to measure them from the bottom to the top of their hand, too. I mean, Brady's, Brady's got fingers that are this long. So he might not be able to spread it that way or his thumb might not be flexible, but he has giant hands. It is a thing. I'm just trying to say that to, so people out there aren't like, well, Brady's hands aren't that big. No, they're gigantic. They are. It is helps control the football. Yes. But we have like a lot of tangible evidence of games in the wind and yes, some cold rainy days to watch it and go. He throws the ball well. Came from New Jersey. 
He's been wearing these gloves for a long time. And to me, that's where it's a little different. And I think, you know, Mike, we talked about this when we were kind of evaluating the quarterbacks early on. The hand size is not as crucial to me with him because of the glove. We talk about the glove all the time. That glove grips anything. You don't even have to grip it, and it'll grip for you. It is unbelievable. I mean, so that, like, changes the hand size thing a little bit because I go, well, he's been wearing this glove. He's used to it. He's not going to take it off. And that helps him control the football to a degree that I think is better than than it would be if he didn't wear the glove. That's for sure. And, I mean, look, the, the bottom line is, as you said, he's used to playing in the elements. This isn't Jared Goff. Yeah, that's what I mean. When yes, right. you would get him yeah. outdoors. Remember at Soldier Field? Oh, my just gosh. Right. Rumbled right. in the elements. Right. Never had to deal with it before. This is something that Pickett is used to. 26 fumbles in college. Colbert said that that's not an excessive fumble rate. I was trying to look up Ben Roethlisberger's fumbles, uh, but I'm not I'm not finding the numbers in college. In college, yeah, I'm just right. curious how many times he fumbled in college because he did pretty well for himself in a generation at Pittsburgh. Colbert also talked about that psychology as the teens were unfolding. They did make some calls about trading up, and they decided that what they were going to have to give up to trade up, it wasn't worth it. And the restraint that you have to exercise, once you decide – because I said, you know, you guys traded up to get Troy Polamalu. You traded up to get Santonio Holmes. I just assumed you would trade up. If you really like Kenny Pickett, right. why are you what, – what are you doing? It's what, what Ron Rivera said about Matthew Stafford when the Washington Commanders were in this, like, we got to get a quarterback, we got to get a quarterback. It doesn't matter what it costs phase. Nobody remembers what the Rams gave up to get Matthew Stafford. If it works, it doesn't matter. So that's why I, I both – respect but i'm also right a little confused by the willingness to just sit there but colbert said we had 20 guys we liked we're at pick number 20 if pickett's gone we'll get somebody else yeah and they were they were stunned that pickett was still there i have a feeling that if jerry jones owned the steelers and put up the board that kenny pickett would be a lot higher than 20 on jerry jones board if he was the steelers owner well, yeah, I, I, I hear you there. Uh, you know, I, I think one a little bit is like speaks to kind of something you said a few minutes ago. Uh, they, they just don't panic. They're not worried about it. Like they, they don't. He, they obviously like the other quarterbacks a little bit, as as you heard Kevin Colbert there. So even though they had Pickett as the number one guy, they weren't going to leverage the farm on okay that guy if they like the other guys. You know, that, I, I do think that could be a real possibility, no doubt about it. But you're right, it's dicey. It's dicey and. You know, especially when you hear how much they really did like him and know him, that's where you go, man, that is that is some, you know, great show of patience there for sure. You know, Pickett, uh, obviously, the field, he's talented. He's got a good arm. He's a better athlete than I think people are going to realize when they see him move around and do all that. But where he won the draft process is what Kevin Colbert alluded to. He was by far the most ready, the most capable to talk the game, to talk defenses, hey, this play, I read this. If the defense changed, then I had to read this, and he could coach it back. That was the one thing that was standard 100% through the process. No matter what team I talked to, they always said Kenny Pickett won the meeting room. That for sure. And that's where I think there was a lot of love for him in the NFL because they feel like he can get hit the ground running and, and take over a team. And that's what they need. Yeah. That's exactly what they need. Right. This is the perfect, seamless handoff. Yep. From Ben Roethlisberger 
to Kenny Pickett. The only thing that's missing is a year that Roethlisberger could have mentored Pickett. But I'm not – look, we talked about this yesterday yeah. with Ryan Tannehill. Not my job to mentor. And something that Peter King mentioned in Football Morning in America talking about Pickett, five years Pickett was in the same building as Ben Roethlisberger and never talked to him. And I don't think it's because – Kenny Pickett was big time in Big Ben. Not, and this isn't a knock on Big Ben because he, he grew and he matured and he was a much different guy. The stories about how he interacted with teammates early in his career, they're out there. It's well documented. Guys would say, oh, I got a charity event. Can you sign this jersey? Nope. No. For a teammate. Right. For a teammate. Right. No, I know. Right? It's con- yes, it's a lot of stories like that. But, but I, I, so I don't know how thrilled he would have been having his successor around for what was his last year. And that's fine. That's fine. All the more reason for the Steelers to hope that they can can land one plane just as the other one has taken off. And it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. It does. And worked out and really, like, he's ready to go. And I think the Steelers, probably part of the reason they liked him is, like, the conversation we had with the Saints. They're going to look at it and go, wait, we're, we're not rebuilding here. We're kind of good still. We're not giving up or throwing in the towel and going, hey, we'll see you. Hey, AFC, we'll see you back in the playoff conversation, you know, two years down the road. I think they're looking at it going, man, we had some injuries on defense, and we still look at it like we're a top 10 defense. We got weapons and a running back and a tight end, and the offensive line is going to be better. So they weren't, I, you know, I think that's why they really favored Pickett. They didn't want the project guy or, ooh, we think the guy could be good two years from now. And, and I think it makes sense for the state of their football team. And if it doesn't work out and he's not quite ready, okay, they got Mitch Trubisky, and he, he will be ready and be able to, you know, hold the torch for, for a little bit before Pickett's ready to take over. And something we said in recent years, and it was underscored when the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson, if the Steelers don't get their act together, they are going to be left in the dust in the AFC North. Yeah. With Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Deshaun Watson. Right. Left in the dust. So, look, we don't know what Pickett's going to be, but all due respect, they're in better shape with Kenny Pickett moving forward than any of the other options that they had on the roster, period. It's just, it's, it's a fact. They wouldn't have drafted Kenny Pickett if they didn't think that he was ready to step right in yeah, right. and start from day one. And I think it would be an upset if he's not the week one starter. I would, I would probably agree with you there. For, for the guy like this, yes, Pittsburgh, you know, I would think that, you know, for lack of a better phrase, would really have to pee down his leg in training camp to screw this one up. <laughs> get him ready. The attitude right. is going to be get him ready. Get him ready. Hey, I could see Mike Tomlin saying it. Kenny, three weeks until week one, get your ass ready. Are you ready? Get ready. Am I, are you ready? Uh, I don't know. Get ready. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, they'll, so, they'll, they're, hey, uh, practice is going to be tough. We know how training camp is there. They don't script for success or anything like that. They let the defense hit and be crazy. So he's going to get put to the test plenty of times for them to know by the time they get done with that first preseason game, second preseason game to go, oh, wait, he's this is the guy. He's trending in the right way. Or they'll know, hey, okay, you know, we got to give him a little more time. He's not quite ready yet. Let's, let's just buy a little more time for him. They'll, they'll have that figured out by some point in early on in training camp.
Here's, here's one way to get him ready, and I'm not suggesting that Mike Tomlin will do it. Don't get him a red jersey. That'll get him ready. <laughs> no, that'll get him ready for sure. <laughs> here's um, how you get rid of the ball in the, the NFL. <laughs> yeah. He's currently a slight favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Drake London from USC, who went eighth overall to the Falcons, was the initial favorite. Now it's Pickett at 5-1, to one, London 6-1, to one, Traylon Burks 7-1, to one, and you see the rest of the odds there. You know, I... Brees Hall and Christian I, I, Watson would be the other ones I'd really look at. That'd be the. Two. I'd say Brees Hall. Brees uh, running backs touch the ball more often yes. than receivers do. Right. Right. I always look toward a running back instead of a receiver, even though yes, receivers have won it, but you got more opportunities as a running back. And I look if Pickett's going to be the Week One starter, yeah, he's, he's going to have yeah. the opportunity because if the Steelers are good and he's the starter wire to wire, it doesn't matter what his numbers are. If he's the starter and they make it to the playoffs, he'll be the offensive rookie of the year. He yeah. will be. Yeah. I, right? Unless one of these other guys just goes crazy. Right. Statistically. Chase-wise. Right. It had to be right. something like that. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, you know, it's, it's what we kind of saw last year, right? Mac Jones was, hey, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. And it was like, whoa, holy cap. Holy crap. Yeah, here Let's, comes Jamar Chase. Yeah, here comes Jamar Chase. So that, that's uh, – but, but like Brees Hall, yeah, you said it, the running back – He's 4-3 speed. He catches the ball well into the backfield. He's going to accumulate stats. And then I do look at Christian Watson from North Dakota State because I go, yeah, he's a freak of nature and, to me, the second-best receiver in the draft. And he's in a spot where, like, they got to use him. they got to make him the guy. He's going to get touches. And he's the most talented guy on the roster already, period. So, uh, you know, sometimes that plays into it, too, of course, just the situation overall that you're in. Speaking of receivers, part of what I talked to Colbert about dealt with the decision to use second-round pick on George Pickens, and then they got Calvin Austin right before the Ravens were going to take him. So they picked up two receivers, and we know how well they scout and draft receivers. And, Chris, I ran by him what we were talking about the other day, that they've just got this years of institutional knowledge where they know exactly what they're looking for and it's their secret sauce and they're not going to tell anybody about it and this is how we do it. And if if there's a secret sauce, they're denying that it exists. Kevin Colbert said there is nothing special in that regard. They, they just look at the guys and they decide which ones they think are going to be good. They do have some traits they look for, but there isn't a formula that allows them to end up getting these great receivers time and time again. Yeah, they got an eye. I mean, there obviously is not like an exact formula too, just because, and I believe them in that and the fact that if there was a formula, I'd feel like they'd all have the same guys with the same look, but they've had lots of different shapes and sizes and skill sets and everything to make you think, whoa, it's not just like one brand of receiver they got an eye for. They kind of just, they got it. I don't know what it is or whatever, but somebody in that building knows what to look for for that, that position, and it is special. And, yeah, here they are with two special starting receivers and two guys, as usual, that have a lot of special things about their game coming up the ranks to where they're not going to be desperate to have to sign one of these guys or anything like that if it all goes according to plan. Yeah, uh, and they have to backfill with James Washington and Juju leaving. But they have to be thinking ahead. And this market is going haywire. And I'm telling you, one of these two guys, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, one of those guys is not going to be there. Yeah, it's, They're not right. going to be able to pay both of them. Plain and simple. It happened with Mike Wallace and Antonio Brown. They were negotiating with Mike Wallace. 
They reached an impasse with Mike Wallace. They took the contract they'd offered to Wallace. They dangled it for Antonio Brown, and he took it. They signed Brown after two seasons. Pre-2011, and you got grandfathered in. That's how Gronk got his deal after two years. If you were drafted prior to 2011, you could get a new contract after two seasons. It was that year, that CBA, that made the minimum three, which that's a big difference. That's a big difference. Right now, you would have Justin Jefferson yeah, saying, for a new deal. F you pay me right. in Minnesota. Right. Big difference. But Claypool's a year away. Deontay Johnson has his three years in. I just think that, especially because they know they can go out and find young guys, and they do it all the time. They'll, it's, it's become the equivalent of their linebacker position in the 90s, yeah, where right. they would just let right. whoever it was go. Uh, I can't even remember the names. It was such a revolving door. Oh, he's, yeah, Lloyd, he's, he's Kevin Green, whatever. Yeah. Who's the guy that went to the Seahawks? The guy that went to the Seahawks. Oh, uh, that was, 94, uh, Brad, Chad Brown. Yeah. Right. Chad, Chad Brown. Brown. Yeah. Chad Brown. Right. Oh, superstar. Yeah. I know. A free agent. Right. See you, Chad. Thanks for everything. Boom. Go somewhere else. They yeah. just, they, they never even, they never even flinched. They no. just, they knew they would plug somebody else in there and that guy would end up having double digit sacks. And that's why it's stunning. They paid TJ Watt. Yeah. Stunning. Yeah. When you consider their history. Yeah. I, I hear you. You know, they, they know how to look at those positions for sure. There's no doubt. Watt, I think, you know, he gets to that point where you just go, damn, he's too special. Forget trying to replace him. We keep this one for sure. But, yeah, I think, you know, again, this might be a team that, hey, we talked about the receiver thing a lot Monday, Tuesday after the draft. They might have the formula. They're good at it. They just keep, hey, let's keep just replenishing the, the, the cupboard every one, two years here and keep a guy coming up the rank to where we'll never be in the spot of, oh, we might have to pay a receiver a five-year, $120 million contract. Um, and I think there's going to be some teams that are looking to take that formula, you know, to the, to the draft for the next few years. Um, Steelers, I feel better about them after their draft. And that's the thing. Don't get so caught up in what happens early in the offseason. Don't get caught up in what happens – Post-free agency is not done until after the draft. And even then, it's still not completely finished. But I, I, I think Steelers fans were just, where, where do we fit in the AFC? Where do we fit in a division that we used to dominate? I think there's cause for some optimism. I still think the expectations are fairly low, especially because of the level of competition. But whenever they're low, that's when the Steelers they tend love to exceed it. them. I think yeah. they're going to be fine this year. They love it. They, you're right. They love it. This is what, this is what Mike Tomlin loves. He loves leading men and telling them that the world doesn't like them and think they're any good. He loves it. This is like, this is like, like seriously knowing him. This is like awesome to him. He thinks this is amazing. We're going to get to crap on the world and all their dumb opinions and show them the raw, the, the real Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I, I'm with you. You've always said that. And it, it is real to me, especially with this crew. Uh, and again, you know, you said it too. There's some things on the team to like here. You know, we do, we do, we overlook them because of the quarterback situation, but there's still a lot of parts here where you go, Ooh, that's playoff position elite right there. They got some things there that you got to like about their roster. Najee Harris could have a huge second year. The pass catchers are great. Pat Fryermuth was very good very as a good. rookie, the tight end out of Penn state. Their defense is still their defense. Yeah. Still the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, it's 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 going to be it's going to be a very fun year because we go into it really not knowing what the hell is going to happen. And it's a shame because what it means is injuries, bad calls, 
fluky weird things will be what determines the fate of teams more than anything else. When everyone's that packed together, that's going to be the difference maker. And hopefully it won't be bad calls. Hopefully it won't be. But that that's the that's the curse for the NFL. It's a blessing to have true parity. But the more parity you have, the more that the screw-ups by your officials influence who thrives and who falls off. All the more reason to be committed to getting all the calls right the more your teams are packed together. Yeah, it's 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 a good point. I mean, you're right. It's the the margin of error is almost a zero. And we we saw that this year. I mean, we saw that in some games. Hey, we could we could look at Pittsburgh Chicago from that game just last year and that's one game right there. Just hey, there's that sets the example. I mean, there was two horrible calls that helped the Pittsburgh Steelers survive that game and win it. So, yes, there's uh, you know, that your point's real. And that's Sky Judge, all that gambling like we talk about. They got to be all over this stuff. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Reggie Wayne, former Colts receiver, had some high praise for Matt Ryan. Does Reggie need to slow his roll? We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Simsisms. Awesomerness. I know these guys are awesome too, but they got launched into awesomerness, okay? Because of the talent they had around. Yeah. I know you were doing it for a fact. I was, yes. But it's still, it's still, I know. It's still a Simpsons. <laughs> okay. Awesome that's fine. It's too late to, uh, to, to have that caveat to the Simpsons. I know. Play. Yeah. Bring I'm it sure on. We'll hear bring it on. EJ's voice tomorrow. Simpsism. Awesomeness. <laughs> Stop stealing my lines. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. That was good. That was good. That was awesomeness by EJ. That was. Throwing a little, throwing a little on the back end. Uh, very well done. I still, I still, my email inbox. Now, I'm trying to make a full migration to Gmail after years with AOL. And it's funny because. You're still on AOL? Like younger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, but but what are you supposed to do? Like, like it's working. I know. <laughs> you go and get them. They're there. It's not like moving to like it's a pain in the ass. But what were you gonna say? To the to, younger crowd, oh, what or what with your what are you? Well, no, no. Yeah. The, the, the people make funny. Oh, you're still on AOL. Yeah, well, right. Yes, right. Because w- why wouldn't you be? It's free. It's there, and it it works. I guess. You receive messages. You send messages. Who cares? What domain it's coming from. And actually, back in my day, an AOL, is AOL still in a real company? That's what's amazing. I guess they are if your emails are still getting sent. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Gmail's kind of a pain in the ass to use. Why? It's kind of a pain in the ass to use. I think it's just. Because, like, the way. 
yeah. when you get a thread right. and you and you've had multiple people on the thread yeah. and you're responding and you're replying like am I, wait a minute it's like am I replying to the right person here because every once in a while that could cause you some that could cause you some trouble right every every once in a while you don't want that person you're talking about in your email message to be the one who you know receives it but um but anyway what's my point oh in my AOL inbox because yeah. that's where my PFT email flows into Anything sent to Florio at ProFootballTalk.com, I regretted that as I said it. Anything that anyone sends there goes to AOL. My point is, as I try to push more of my daily communications at Gmail, the bulk of what I get at AOL, and there is a point here eventually, is simsisms and complaints about Sky. That's it. That's it. Now, what we do get, we do get some very nice and positive emails and and I got one yesterday. I passed it along to Matt Casey and and uh, to Pete Demolitis. And my, my wife thought it was very moving and touching. And I I, I don't want to give out names, but somebody who watches on Sky saw our conversation about Ryan Tannehill and his struggles after the loss to the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs. And uh, just the fact that we were encouraging people who have issues to get help. This is somebody who's had issues, uses our show as therapy. Like watching us every day helps him through his issues. So it's just, you get stuff like that, which is good. Very good. Yeah, it's great. But it's otherwise simsisms and complaints about when we are and aren't on Sky. All right. That's it. Well, you got to deal with it. it. As long as you're on AOL.com, okay? You got to have to deal with it, all right? You and my wife. My wife is still on Yahoo Mail, right? She's still using that. And it is funny how there is something with the younger crowd. I agree. I'm only having fun because I'm really piggybacking off of them. But when they when they hear that with your email, it's like they look at you like you're some old dinosaur. You're a loser, huh? Uh, you got AOL. It, I know. Just, I know. It's asinine I know. I know. because it has taken me like five years to gradually push towards you. It's just not easy. Like, hey, 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 you know, I know you've been contacting me for 15 years at this email address. Could you use a different one instead now? Like, you're going to miss it's, – it's, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why anyone cares what email provider you use as long as it sends and receives. It works. Well, a lot of them Does like all the other services. See, that's where Gmail, as you toy around with it more, you're going to realize like, oh, wow, there is a lot of cool other things, you know. That, Send that, and receive emails. I know. That's, That's all cool I do, too, me. either. I know. The rest of the world, I think, is more advanced than we are, though. All right. Uh, Reggie Wayne probably has an AOL account because he's been a- around for a while <laughs> as well. He was a first-round pick of the Colts back in 2001, I believe, out of the University of Miami. Played with Peyton Manning. Has some observations about the new Colts quarterback, Matt Ryan. Here's Reggie. Man, it makes me almost want to throw up because he reminds me of Peyton so much. Um, it, I mean, he's um, he's the epitome of a leader, right? Um, in meetings, he's vocal. You know, he's he's trying to get that connection with the receivers, trying to get extra as much as possible. Um, I don't know how it was last year or the year before, but just this year, I mean, that I can see the guys. He's he's a vocal leader. He's he's. He's out there. He's grinding with them, you know. Um, and, I, and I really feel like with his, with his, you know, years and experience in this league, it, it'll kind of help these young guys. 
Now, we have selected that soundbite for inclusion in a segment that we're calling Get On Board or Slow Your Roll. Do you get on board with what Reggie Wayne had to say comparing Matt Ryan to Peyton Manning, or should he and we slow our roll? I'm going to get on board, all right? I'm going to get on board with this. I am. And now, Peyton Manning is the poster child for – getting team offense checks everybody on the same page so he's like the god of that we know that but i mean by all accounts from what i've heard out of atlanta the last few years seeing arthur smith at the combine and dave ragone the offensive coordinator that's all they they, that's the the thing that they couldn't stop talking about with matt ryan can't believe at this point of his career how driven how detailed he is you know how all over how hard he works every day so Yes, he's bringing that type of element to that organization. Now, is it Peyton Manning level? Listen, that's a special level. We know that. But I think they're getting big-time franchise, quarterback, detail, watch over everybody, communication type of attitude for Matt Ryan. That's for sure. Well, and part of the conversation I had yesterday with George Payton, Broncos GM, because he described Russell Wilson as a winner back in March when he was introduced. And, you know, that, that's that's a trigger word for some people who are in the media. Oh, quarterback wins aren't a st- – good quarterback brings a winning culture, a winning attitude, yeah. elevates everyone, walks through the door, and he's different. Everyone senses it. Everyone is minding their P's and Q's a little more closely, as you'll say from time to time. Everyone is on notice. The sheriff is here. Russell Wilson is different than what they've had at quarterback ever since the sheriff walked away after Super Bowl 50. And I think with Matt Ryan, it's kind of low-key and understated. And I think we just take Matt Ryan for granted. The guy was the MVP of the National Football Mm -hmm. League in 2016. The Falcons have been competitive more often than not during his time there, but they only made it to one Super Bowl, and they were on the wrong side of 28-3. to So there's never been a full embrace of Matt Ryan the way there has been of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, right. Russell Wilson. Yeah. And I think the difference is the pelt on the horse or the wall or both. You get a Super Bowl win, you are viewed differently. You're just viewed differently. And he never got that Super Bowl win, so he's not viewed in that same category as those guys. But, you know, I – not that he's going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I I, I can understand where Reggie Wayne's coming from. He's not Peyton right, Manning because right. he doesn't have the accomplishments. But the demeanor, yeah. the expectations, right. what he holds himself to and yeah. therefore can hold. If you hold yourself to a high standard, you're allowed to hold the people around you to a high standard. Because I'm holding myself to the high standard. I expect everybody to be. That attitude is what elevates the program, and that, that may help the Colts tremendously because it's not like they suck. You're taking a team that's already pretty good and maybe giving it the kick in the ass that it needs at the most important position on the field. Definitely. I almost feel like you're getting the best of, like, with Matt and Ryan, it's like you're getting the best of, like, the last two years of Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz. It's going to be all, you know, in one guy here, finally, with everything you need there. Yeah, it's not It's not going to be like, oh, wow, lasers all over the field, but he can make every throw on the field. He's got great feel and timing and anticipation and all that. He's next level. His athleticism is better than people give him credit for, to, to your point there, without a doubt. I mean, again, this is a guy that's, you know, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame-ish 
type quarterback. There's going to be, I think, a pretty good discussion about Matt Ryan when all said and done. And yeah, the I think the Super Bowl certainly hurts that. Lost a few playoff games where I think most people would go, oh, they were kind of the better team and they lost. That So that doesn't look good on him. But certainly one of the great quarterbacks of our era and one of the great professionals and dissectors of a defense. I mean, he is a guy you think of when you just go, whoa, making decisions, getting the ball out of the hands, getting the ball in the right spot, all of that type of stuff. Matt Ryan is really damn good, and you're right. He's kept them competitive with really, like, still, last year, I'm going to say it again, a crappy team in Atlanta. Like, really well-coached and awesome quarterback play made us think, whoa, they're kind of a playoff contender, and they really weren't. Next up, Raheem Blackshear, undrafted free agent signed by the Buffalo Bills, Virginia Tech running back. He said, I look at myself as like Adebo Samuel. And the stats back it up. He had 1,912 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns, but also 1,213 receiving yards and seven receiving touchdowns in 50 college games. Now, obviously, Debo Samuel is a receiver who became running back. I could see where running back would want to become receiver because that position pays better in the NFL. Does Raheem... Blackshear need to slow his role, or do you get on board with the idea that he could be a dual threat in the NFL like Debo Samuel? Well, I, I got to watch this guy a little bit. I can't say that I studied him coming out in the draft process. I'm sorry about that. I mean, that, I'm, I'm going to say, like, what, what are we saying here? Slow your role? How dare you? Yeah, I'm going to say. How dare you? I'm slowing your role. How dare you not study 400 guys? I know, I know. I only went a little over 200, ultimately, when it was all said and done. But, yes, I did not. I did not. And, I'm just going to say slow your roll. No disrespect to Mr. Blackshear and the fact that you didn't get drafted. I don't really know you. And Debo Samuel is arguably the best non-quarterback in football on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, so that I can't – I got to say slow your roll down. That, that one's a little too abrupt of a, uh, you know, compliment of the, thyself there a little bit for me to buy, buy into that one. Yeah, look, and I got no problem with confidence. You have to be confident to the point of delusional to succeed in the NFL or to succeed at a high level in anything. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Let's see. Let's yeah. see. One way to find out. First, got to make the team. You're, you're one of the 90. Get to one of the 53. Get to one of the 48 on game day. Get on the field and show us what you can do. And the reality is he's going to have to grind away. He's going to have to make his mark on special teams. Then he earns an opportunity to show what he can do. But, hey, the, the Bills could use a Debo Samuel. So, yeah, go, go, become, go become Debo Samuel. But, meanwhile, we'll, we'll focus on Debo Samuel until you become. When you <laughs> yes. become Debo Samuel, we'll focus on you. For now, we'll focus on Debo Samuel. Let's focus uh, briefly on Jesse Bates. Here's Mike Hilton from the Cincinnati Bengals talking about the franchise-tagged safety who is not at off-season workouts. Yeah, we've been talking all offseason. Um, you know, everybody in that locker room wants Jesse to, to get what he deserves. And we, we know as a team, he, he's one of the most – he's a cornerstone piece of this franchise. So, on my end, I'm going to do what I can do to keep pushing and, you know, just putting it out there for him to for him to sign long term. You know, if it happens, great. But also, everybody knows the business side of the NFL. And nobody will be upset or – you know, pissed off at him if he didn't show up or he ended up going somewhere else. It's just just part of the game, but he knows that everybody in this locker room wants him here. Absolutely, positively, I get on board with this. Look, he's a franchise tag player. He hasn't signed his tender. You're not going to show up for the workouts until you sign the tender. You're exerting your leverage under the CBA. They have restricted you. 
from getting to the open market, even though you've got your four years in and your contract expired. They've used the franchise tag to keep you from getting paid on the open market. Your response in this ping pong match under the franchise tag is to say, I'm not showing up until I get a long-term contract. I'm not. I'm not going to be there. I'm withholding services. So I got no problem with it all. I got no problem with what Hilton said. They get it. They understand it. And even if he has to go somewhere else to get what he deserves, they're fine with it. Football players have changed in that regard. They understand. They understand that you have limited opportunities to get paid. And if you're not going to get paid what you deserve here, God love you. Go get it somewhere else. I'd rather not cross paths with you on a football field elsewhere. You're my teammate. You're my friend. But go do what you have to do. That's right. That's, you know, it's the modern day athlete. It's the modern day business world and sports. That's the, what it is. I mean, again, it's, it's, and don't get mad at the players. We, we, nobody talks about this more than you and me. I mean, don't get mad at them. They didn't make this a business. This is the way that it is. This is one of the few avenues they have to fight back. I mean, I'm on board with this all the way from every aspect, whether it's Jesse Bates doing what he's got to do or buying in that the team, supports him yes they do the locker room supports him the coaches support him there's not going to be anybody there that's not going to understand his situation and you know like we talked about who was at the team yesterday that we were talking about where we want him to get paid right what was that we want these guys to get paid you know most organizations are like that uh, they want their guys to be paid you know, there's the human element of that you now you know we know it's a business and there's some front office guys that are certainly gonna you know pinch pennies and do all that but Nobody's going to be holding it personal against him that, oh, man, I can't believe you're not here after the Super Bowl or anything like that. I'm going to be interested to see where this goes because it just feels like it's been going on forever here. And then here's the other thing, too, Mike. I mean, because he's a really damn good player. They drafted a guy in the first round, Daxton Hill, out of Michigan, who my comparison was Jesse Bates. I really thought he was Jesse Bates. You know, So I would love to see him on the field with Bates and Von Bell or whatever else, but – you know, maybe if something doesn't get done, he's more looked at as the replacement for Jesse Bates if they try to trade him or move him or whatever. Can't pay everyone. And if you're going to be a good team, there's going to be a lot of guys who are in line to get paid. You're going to have to make some tough decisions about who stays and who goes. Last one very quickly. Yeah. Robert Griffin III mm. participated in the Rich Eyes and Charity event, the 40-yard dash, run, rich, run, support St. Jude Children's Hospital. Griffin ran a 4-4-8, unofficial 4-4-8. He claims that he heard from teams after he ran the 4-4-8. Do you get on board or do you slow your roll with that contention that the phone rang after RG3 ran a 4-4-8 with teams interested in him? I'm going to get on board with it. I am. I mean, the fact that he did it, you know, that publicly and everybody could see it, I, I could imagine a team calling maybe his agent, just going, like, where's he at? Uh, I'll get on board with it. I will. I mean, it's impressive. I'm one that still sits here and goes, I'm not sure why Robert Griffin III retired. I really don't even know why. I mean, he didn't retire. He didn't retire. Nobody wanted him I feel like he kind of just, like, didn't really pursue it, though. Door's been open. Door's open. It was open even for him. He's made it clear. He's made it clear the door is open. Wow, I'm That's really, why I'm skeptical. I'm surprised. I choose to be skeptical. Yeah, okay. I choose to be skeptical. He has a history Okay, it's great that, that he ran a 448. Yeah, right. It's great. It's great that he ran a 448. Yeah, well, he's going to write the, the tell-all book about his experience in Washington. And he pulled the plug on that. So, And then he's, he, knows, he knows certain things that he's holding back for the book that would be highly relevant, apparently, to this ongoing Washington Commanders investigation. That rubbed me the wrong way when he was trying to play that game, and then all of a sudden the book disappears. But... Look, his speed was never an issue. No. 
it's not that's not the issue. The issue is his durability, decision making that causes him to get injured, and just was he good enough as a quarterback? He he would still be in the NFL. He's he's thirty two years old. He'd still be in the NFL. I, so yeah. yeah. I don't I, I I choose to be skeptical about this because him running a four four eight, it's not like well, you know, if 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 Robert Griffin could just run a sub four five, we'd sign him. I don't think that's what's keeping teams from signing him. I don't. No, and look, I don't think so. Either. We're already we're already five days removed from it. You can bring a guy in for a workout anytime you want. You can say, eh, we're pretty good there. They say four four eight, but you know how these things go. Yeah. Let's bring him in. Let's so let's put him yeah. on our clock. Right, let's see right. how fast he runs. Let's see what he does throwing the ball. Let's see what he can do. Let's bring him in. We're here. We're here. It's phase two now of the offseason program. Let's see what he can do. I think that that if it, 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 it's just like it's kind of, it's 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 not exactly like Colin Kaepernick, but the idea is there's an easy way for a team to address any questions it has. Bring him in. And there's no stigma. There's no business issue. There's no, no problem there's that gets attached to bringing in RG3. No, there's not. I I know. I'm, 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 I, you know I don't know why. I mean, I said that, too, earlier on, just because I felt like early on in last offseason, it was, like, out there that he was going to be a part of ESPN to where I wanted to be. Like, it didn't seem like he really pursued trying to be somebody's backup or anything that way. Um, so maybe that's where I'm wrong altogether. But, yeah, Mike, I, I, I hear you. That could go both ways, certainly. Certainly, and uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally on board with my get on board, but I'll go with get on board for this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Uh, I was trying to get Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, on board with the idea that if they had beaten the Jaguars Week 18, we'd have an alternate reality where Carson Wentz would still be the quarterback of the Colts. He wanted me to slow my roll Whoa. in that regard. Slow you'll your hear, roll. You'll hear You'll hear from Chris Ballard on that question when PFT Live continues right after this. The Colts needed to win over the Jaguars in Week 18 to get into the playoffs. They couldn't get it done. Carson Wentz was terrible, turning the ball over twice in the second half. Would Wentz still be in Indianapolis if that game had gone differently? I talked with Colts GM Chris Ballard on that specific topic. Be right now, Carson Wentz is still on your team right now if you guys win that game, right? I don't know. I I think we would have still had some some. I think we still would have had some hard discussions, um, you know, just the way we played down the stretch. Um, and we knew we needed to make some, some improvements in that area. And look, the one thing I think Jim and I and Frank, we're all pretty good at is like when, when we know something's not a good fit, you know, don't, don't just try to justify it. Um, let's move forward. We all know we're going to get egg on our face. That is what it is. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's about doing the right thing for the organization. So I think even if we would have ended up in the playoffs, we would have had some hard discussions uh, going forward. Yeah. Hey, I, I appreciate the candor and it's the amazing. entire interview as awesome. with all of them from yesterday, Joe Shane, Kevin Colbert, Chris Ballard, George Payton, all will be available at PFT, but you usually don't hear that because they were, they were done done uh, totally Carson done. that's what they're telling you right there done i mean and even if they had made it to the playoffs they were done i am stunned frank reich didn't get fired and i was tempted to get into it with chris yesterday 
What, 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 how long did it take you to convince Jim Irsay to not fire Frank Reich? Because Reich was the champion of Carson Wentz. He's the reason Wentz was there. He vouched for Carson Wentz, right. and it blew up on the entire franchise. The, the whole And it feels like ancient history now. The whole vaccination thing, that rubbed Ursay the wrong way. Ursay did those videos after the season ended, standing outside of his private jet, sitting inside of his private jet. You know, just uh, the, he was beside himself after what happened last year. But even if they'd won that game and made it to the playoffs, Wentz may still have been gone. Amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. That they could have made it to the playoffs and still thrown him overboard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, one, I mean, yeah, it made it life, I'm sure, dicey on Frank Reich. But, yeah, I think he's shown enough that he's a pretty damn good coach. And the fact that he's, you know, again, I think a good human and kind of treats people the right way. Maybe that gives them the benefit of the doubt. But you don't, you don't. and, And I also think Ballard and company, I'm sure we're on board to this to a degree. So that's why they couldn't probably put it all on Frank Reich. They knew they needed a quarterback. It was definitely one of the better options out there for them last year. But, yeah, of course, they were following Frank Reich's lead, to, to, your, to your point, no doubt. You know, I mean, to me, it's shocking. Yeah, down the stretch, it wasn't good. We know that. The last two games, they weren't good. You know, the Raiders, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Raiders game, as we talked about, he had COVID that week, which was in part of this issue to begin with. So, yeah, they traded assets to get him. They paid him all this money when things were controversial for this player. And – you know, he didn't step up to get vaccinated, and it cost them. You know, the, the before that, you know, the Patriots game. Remember that game on the Saturday night? It was five for seven. He was trying to throw interceptions and lose the game down the stretch. That was questionable. You know, I know he had that Cardinals game where he had a big play and some plays that helped them win that game. But, yeah, in big moments is when he played his worst. That's pretty much what there is to it. But I think the amazing thing that you and I are, like, floored by is – it, it, this is going beyond football in the field. This, this is to me like they were like, no way. We don't like this guy, this human. He's not going to be in our locker room. We don't want him leading our team. This goes way beyond it to me with the, the message they're sending out. I don't know if you feel that way as, as well. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. And look, this all gets back to the things that we consistently hear about Carson Wentz, the lack of leadership skills, the refusal to take coaching. good, hard coaching. Right. The bad decisions made during games, which manifest the failure to respond to coaching, whether it's not getting through or he's ignoring the coaching. Yeah. He continues to do dumb things. He continues to treat random routine plays like the last play of the season with everything riding on it. And you got nothing to lose. So I may as well throw the ball left handed from my end zone because what's the worst thing that can happen at this point. That's the problem with Carson Wentz. And they just got to the point where they realized after one year and you know, the, the analogy I used at the time was he, he felt like he was the winner last year. He got out of Philadelphia because he was given safe Harbor with a family member in Indianapolis. Frank Reich will be – Frank understands me. Yeah. Forget those folks in Philadelphia. Right. They, they were they wrong. They screwed me I'm over. Right. They're wrong. I'm, right. I'm right. right. They're wrong. Yeah. And, and that's why I think there's hope for him in Washington. Unless there's no hope for him at all in any NFL city, this is it for him. And I, I know enough about Ron Rivera to know he's going to – He's probably already told him in very, very candid, profane terms what is riding on his ability to take coaching, on his ability 
to to be a better leader or any leader. And he's still, you know, people are capable of changing and developing they and are. maturing and right. acquiring new skills. And the thing about Carson Wentz that's always driven me crazy, the hard parts of the job he can do, he screws up on the easy parts. Yeah, right. If he could right. just master the easy parts, he'd be really good. Yeah, I, I, it's a fair way to say it because he, he does have the skill. He's got skills that – I know over the last four years, you and I have watched games and text or whatever, and we're watching them together, and we're going, wow, I mean, holy crap, what a play. Damn, he's got something to bring. But you're right. It could also be like, wait, the pocket's perfectly clean, and that guy's double covered, and you just still just said, eh, I'm going to throw it, screw it. Like, what? I mean, there is, there's a lot of that. Or the, you know, just the crazy interception shovel passes or whatever else. Uh, it, it's just a little, I think it's a little all over the place from that standpoint. And then like we're talking about, I think when you add in then the, some of the personal complaints, I think it was a double whammy and the Colts just said, Nope, we've had enough and we don't want to deal with you anymore. Something else. Chris Ballard was very candid about the frustrations of five quarterbacks in five years. He oh. mentioned that right out of the gates. Here he is on the struggles that the team has had and their objectives as well in finding a long-term answer at the most important position on the field. But do you want to get to a point where you've got a guy that you think is going to be there for 10, 15 years? Oh, absolutely. I do. Um, I keep, I keep thinking, man, what, five different quarterbacks, five different years, um, you know, to find the, to find the long-term answer is going to be great. But look, where the one thing I do know is not everybody, everybody, not everybody has one. Everybody's looking for, you know, three quarters of the league are looking for the same thing we're looking for. And then those guys don't come along very often. I mean, I think I said this to the media a couple of years ago, where I said, you can take one in round one just to appease the masses, but you better take the right one because if you don't, it's going to put your program behind. So it, there's, to me, it's always a difference. Like, all right, it's easy to take, take one. All right, it's great. You know, but then they got to play. And then if they don't play well and they don't have quite the talent level to, uh, to stand up to that one being next to their name at quarterback, um, then then you've set your program back. You've set it back a few years. And that's the hard – like, I think that's the pressures that come. When you put a first-round pick next to a quarterback's name, man, they are deemed as the savior of the franchise. And you got to be right when you make that decision to do it. And, I mean – and, look, you know, that the criticism in our job comes along with it when you don't take one, when you need one. Um, but it's got to be the right one. You know what? He's absolutely right. You can get caught up in, we have to get a quarterback, we have to get a quarterback, we have to get a quarterback, but you're right. If you're going to go round one, it better be the right one. And look at the starting quarterbacks every year for the past six years, and now they're going to have Matt Ryan. He he, uh, he didn't give me a specific on Ryan. I've seen Frank Reich say they think Ryan can play four years. That seems a little optimistic. But he also said that they're, they're looking for the right time to bring in a young guy. So you're not in the Malik Willis-Ryan Tannehill situation. He didn't say this. I am. Where Matt Ryan's like, what the hell? I still, what are you doing? I still plan to be here for a while. You want to get it just right so Matt Ryan understands how it's lining up and maybe will be willing to mentor a guy if Ryan is at the point where he's got one or two years left. He'll take the guy under his wing and off they go. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, hey, we, we've discussed Ballard. I mean, come on. 
That was like you got thrown the ultimate curveball. Uh, Andrew Luck, it was the one position he thought, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to have to worry about it for 12 to 15 years. We're good here. It's probably the biggest reason he took the job. So that's been you know, an unbelievable change to their organization and something they've had to deal with. They've done their best. I mean, again, you know, they've been in the playoff conversation just about every year. They you know, almost went last year, went with Phillip Rivers. So they've gone the the stars have not aligned for them to get that guy at quarterback. So Ballard's building a team and just kind of buying his time with the quarterback situation. And yeah, I think they're good here for a little bit. But I think his his answer about you know quarterback round all that it's a real thing. Now, this is a real thing even with this draft. I think specifically. Because that is part of, I think, why maybe some of these guys fell. Round one, you draft them. The pressure's there. You got to play them almost. It's all there. Round two, nobody in the NFL knows how to treat that a little bit. Because they're like, wait, he's round one. He's not round one. So we're probably going to have somebody else start. But there is going to be the media and fans clamoring for a round two quarterback. But yet we're playing the guy that's the starter and giving him all the reps. But how do we get the round two guy reps to get him ready? And then round three, they can just go, well, now we got some time. Nobody's going to have that much pressure. It's good. We can buy a year, blah, 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 and that's all off. And I think that's a real thing that teams struggle with, that kind of mental exercise and what to do with these QBs. Unless it's Malik Willis, then, then, then that's when it, in round that's three. A different that one. creates a higher a different expectation. One. It is. Watch the whole interview with Chris Ballard. I'll be posting it at PFT today. It's on the YouTube page. They went to work out Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati quarterback, and you know what they discovered when they did? My guy. Alec Pierce. Yeah. Alec Pierce. Right. I, I, I mean, I want to be like, why did it take to the workout to, 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 to see him? But I think, you know, again, you know, he's one of those second-round receivers we talked about, Mike, a lot, gliding up to the draft. Like, watch out. He's got size, speed, great hands, got the ability to run great routes. He, to me, looked like Jordy Nelson with another gear. So they might have struck gold with that pick right there. All right, let's take a break. Tyron Matthew back in New Orleans, now a member of the Saints. He was introduced yesterday. We'll let you hear some of what he had to say next on PFT Live. Congratulations. I guess we can't really say well, New Orleans, but uh, we can say what made the Saints and a franchise for you. And also, is this kind of a professional dream for you to be playing for the whole time team? It's most definitely a dream. Um, you know, I think, you know, having the opportunity to, to represent, you know, uh, this team, uh, to be a part of this locker room, I've always been a fan of the, the way Saints play football. And uh, just to have that opportunity means a lot to me. And, you know, more than anything, I just want to, you know, take advantage of it and make the most of it. Well, I think coming into free agency, I, 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 I've been fairly quiet. Um, you know, um, I... I really been just kind of letting things play out and um you know the saints was really the only visit that i went on um and uh, i think from the get-go uh, i knew where i wanted to be um and from there it's just all about everything kind of coming together and aligning and so like i said i'm sure there's a lot of people that was praying for me rooting for me and um it, it just feels good to see it all kind of come together but um, I've, I've kind of been manifesting this for, for a while now. You know, a lot of former teammates know this, um, but just to have this opportunity means a lot to me. Tyron Matthew, once upon a time, very celebrated member of the LSU Tigers. 
things didn't work out there because God forbid he smoked marijuana. God forbid. What a different world it was a decade ago. Seriously. Oh, oh, how many how many guys and stay. careers and things you can't have been stay in school screwed. here right. anymore? Yeah, for things that's perfectly legal now, just yeah. because national attitudes have changed towards something that is no different than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. I digress. Free agent for a long time, and I see this three years, $33 million. I, I want to dig into the details here. That seems, seems like, like a lot for I a agree. late April signing. Gotcha. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. Early May signing. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, what, what's our – what's the – it's $18 million in guarantee. Well, there it is on the bottom of the screen. $18 million in guarantees. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like it's a two-year, right, $18 million deal, basically. It's nine million. It's po- nine million. Well, it's possibly. It's po- and look when you hear when you hear eighteen million in guarantees, that does not mean eighteen million fully guaranteed to be received at signing. It means it's got injury guarantees baked in. So if you have some catastrophic injury this year, you'd have the protections like an insurance policy for the next year. It could still be cut the next year if it's not fully guaranteed. The structure of these deals is very important. It could be there's a an unreasonable and unrealistic balloon payment. It could be nine, nine, and fifteen. Right. That's how you get to 33 over three and create an $11 million average. It makes it seem like a bigger deal. And that's fine. Agents like to do that. The player wants to save a little face. And I got no problem with that. Want to give a little finger to uh, middle finger to Kansas city. Why didn't you keep me? I look, I, I landed on my feet. I got a great deal. And whatever the details are, it's still a pretty good deal. It's not like he signed for the veteran minimum for one year. He got a real contract. The details of it will show us how real it, it really is. Yeah, no no question. I mean, that's the first thing. I'm glad you said it was the first thing that went through my mind. I went, whoa, that's pretty expensive, I, I honestly thought. For Tyron Matthew at this point of his career, I, listen, I love Honey Badger. I do. But, yeah, I think that we've seen a little bit of a decline in his play, and that's why he's sitting there, you know, on the market here in early May to before he gets signed. So, I mean, it, there's, there's some questions there. But it makes sense. Hey, they have a positional need there. They lost Marcus Williams in free agency. They got Marcus May from the Jets, but he's coming off an injury. So that makes sense. Hometown guy, right? I mean, he's going to bring some life and some pizzazz and leadership to your defense. He's smart as hell, all of that. But, yes, Tyron Matthew in the best conversation in football – or best best safety in, in football conversation, that, that, that ship sailed and gone away. And apparently the sales of the Tyron Matthew jersey caused the Saints website to crash. Wow. So that just shows you right Orleans there. Happy that he's back. Hey. You got a hometown it, contract, it seems like, to me a little bit for sure. But it's, 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 just, it's, it's part of yeah. the business. Yeah. You want people to be excited about your team. You have a guy out there who's available. He's a great player. He's a great leader, a great presence. He is, no doubt. And, and people are going to be excited about him coming home, and they're going to want to go rush to buy his jersey. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You do that. You do that in a heartbeat. All right, let's take a break. George Payton yesterday talked about whether or not the F those picks mindset has taken root in Denver, given the fact that they gave up a lot of picks to get Russell Wilson. We'll let you hear what he had to say next on PFT Live. Concept that has come up, speaking of the Rams, and we're seeing it play out with receivers a lot this offseason, the F them picks trademark phrase from Les Snead. I mean, you guys fell into that mindset this year with Russell Wilson. Is is that just a one-off or is it a sign of things to come that you're going to be willingly sacrificing draft picks if you 
can go out and get a veteran player that comes in and addresses a need. I just think it's uh, if it's something unique and uh, you have the ability to get a really good player, you're always going to look into it. We always have, even in Minnesota. Uh, we wouldn't trade it for Jared Allen way back then, you know, and, and uh, that was before it was really in vogue. But I think if it's something unique, you have to explore it. You have to know where your team is at. You know, are they ready for a certain player? Do you have a chance to win if you get this player and you give up those picks? A lot goes into it. I know we do love draft picks. You know, we, we don't have a shirt to say it, but we do like, we had nine this year. We had 10 last year. Um, but uh, obviously when you give up, you know, the, the first and second both years, I can, I can understand the question. That's really the bottom line. Draft picks are important, but sometimes you willingly trade them in to get a proven commodity and we talked earlier about the whole concept that Russell Wilson is a winner and what it takes to be a winner and what it means as a quarterback who is a winner how it elevates the team they they are thrilled with Russell Wilson I mean it it was a long six years between Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson all due respect to the guys who played quarterback none of them were Peyton Manning or Russell Wilson and they are in that honeymoon phase and just that that euphoria of yeah. we we got we got a good right. one again. It's 2012 all over again. When Peyton Manning showed up, they, they got him for no picks at all. He was a free agent. They're happy to give up the picks to get Russell Wilson, who's still got a lot of time left in the NFL. Yeah, well, you, you know, you you've said it, we've said it. It's 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 the energy that's brought in the building, the belief. It's just oh my gosh, hey Russell's here. You know, everybody feels it. Oh man, can you believe how hungry he is? How hard he's working? Oh, how how thirsty he is for knowledge, right? And then the wide receiver coach can go in that and say the same thing to the wide receiver room and they feel it and the energy spreads throughout the building. It does. Uh, that, that's where it is special and it's like, you know, Peyton Manning or whoever, Russell Wilson, it's the sheriffs in town and the sheriffs making us we making us feel like we believe. And I think the other part that I thought it was interesting, Mike, about what he said, was just that you got to know where your team is ready and, and is, is it ready as well. To me, that, that's a big part in if we're going to you know, F these picks and trade them too. You know, they looked at their team going, well, we're kind of damn ready. I mean, we'll, how many picks do we need here on this team? We're ready to play ball. Now we need like the icing on the cake here to kind of get us over the top, and that's what they did with Russell Wilson. They got everything else. They needed the quarterback, and hopefully this will be the move that, that gets them where they want to go. Bottom line, all those picks – F those picks or otherwise, they're unproven. You don't know what you're going to get. And sometimes you're willing to throw in extra picks to ensure that you're getting a highly talented player. George Payton mentioned the Jared Allen trade, 2008. That's how long he was in Minnesota, that long. But I remember Rick Spielman explaining it at the time, hey, it's a one and a three for Jared Allen. So Jared Allen's our first-round pick, and we're using a third-round pick to ensure that our first-round pick is going to be a great player. You'll take that deal. Definitely. You'll take that deal to ensure that your first-round pick is a great player because half the time it isn't. Let's take a break. We'll have more PFT Live right after this. Big news. Big news for the faithful. Debo Samuel's latest social media activities hint that the situation with Uh-oh. 49ers may be improving. He loves That's posted them on PFT. Today. I didn't even realize that was posted on PFT. What he did was he's following... The 49ers again, and he liked a recent post in which John Lynch was saying 
he thinks things can be worked oh, out. Oh, here we go. So, here we go. Kyle was right. Let's just get through the draft. Yeah. Let's just get through the draft. Let's just get through the draft. They're still going to have to give him a new contract, though, right? Definitely. You can't just expect him to show up for $4 million this year. They're going to have to pay him, especially if they're going to use him the way they did last year. Yeah, I, agreed. I, I mean, I, I think still you and I both believe that the contract is at the root of this issue. Uh, I do. But there are other things that went on. Sure, yes, it seems like it. I don't know. But uh, like we've discussed, Shanahan's got a way with the players. He does. And I think he's going to give it his best to make sure he can make this one work. It's going to take the moolah some money. And they got to be ready to pay it. See you tomorrow. Chris, Not me. See weekend. ya. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.